Hello everyone, uh, welcome to the new year and I hope that the worst is all behind you. It is January 7th at 4.55am as I record this. Woke up, did my stretches, small set of push-ups and leg raises and squats. Listened to some of the Daily Stoic by Ryan Holiday and a little bit of Meditations by Marcus Aurelius. And uh, texted my mentor, Drew, something I thought was funny. And I'm glad he found it funny. Anyway, we're entering my new series called Studio Journal, where I will be sharing excerpts from my studio journal regarding music and all that. So let's, let's start with the very beginning, um, my history with my involvement in music, but in brief. So, when I was really little, like four or five, actually, yeah, about four, my grandfather, if you want to look him up, he's a formal middleweight world champion boxer, Albert Paul Hostack. If that's any interest to you, um, he was a really good man, in my opinion. Um, I never had an issue with him. And he would always listen to, like, blues, jazz, and lounge music. Uh, Frank, Frank Sinatra was his, was his favorite artist, and I appreciate that a lot about him. And so, me being young and impressionable, I grew to love that music too. And I think that in my own personal, authentic way, I love it a lot myself for my own reasons. And, you know, the nature versus nurture kind of thing, I think it's a bit of both. Um... And then when I was around six years old, my sister introduced me to punk rock. I remember it very clearly that um, we were going to Target, the store, and she was looking specifically for Americana, the album by The Offspring. Great album, by the way, one of my personal favorites. And I'm very grateful my sister wanted to show it to me and share that. And I fell in love with punk rock from then on. I mean, I know that's commercial punk rock when we're talking like The Offspring Americana, that era of the offspring where they went commercial, but like I'm I'm not I'm not somebody who prefers underground over original or anything like that. I'm really I, I really don't care. I'm indifferent towards that kind of thing. I, I I don't want to be part of some sort of like crabs in a bucket mentality. Like if if say for example a band I I saw at a house party signs a record deal, I'm not going to call them sellouts because they want to be professional musicians. Okay. You know, um, that's just me. And so, um, around 12 and a half years old, actually, yeah, exactly then, for Christmas, I asked for a Squire Stratocaster guitar by Fender. And I got one. And I fell in love with it. I also got a hand-me-down drum set from my music mentor, Matt, who I've mentioned in the Forgiveness episode in season one of my podcast. He's also my former band manager and got me some gigs, and he's a really good guy. I love him a lot. He mentored me in Catholicism when I was religious at the time. And, uh, yeah, he he let me, he, he basically let me rent his very first drum set he got when he was doing paper routes. And he did really good care of his stuff that he's held on to, too. I, I appreciate that about him. That's not an easy thing to do. Or maybe it is, but nonetheless, I don't do that. <laughs> I'm trying to. Uh, quick side note, it is kind of funny. Like, I I will rip open a box just to take the item out. 
So yeah, maybe it is easy to take care of things. You you carefully open the box. You carefully take out the item. You make sure they don't get dusty, and you hold on to those things, and you put them where they can't be damaged. Okay, yeah, sure, maybe it is easy. But back to the thing here. I learned the E major chord and power chords first. And I still don't know how to tune my ear, but that's my handicap as a musician, among other things. And I took drum lessons when I was in middle school, so the next year or so I started taking drum lessons. My drum teacher was Dennis Van Ryan of Don Bennett Drum Studio. So if you're ever in Bellevue, Washington, you wanna to go to a cool drum studio to buy drums or take lessons or play drums, then by all means, head over to Don Bennett Drum Studio if they're still open. And uh, yeah, I, I love that place. I bought cymbals from there. I've I've taken drum lessons. I I learned a lot from, just from being in that store, and from my uh, drum teacher Dennis Van Ryan. So I had some basic knowledge of guitar, or excuse me, not basic knowledge, but knowledge of two chords. And I understood music theory to a point where some notes are major, some notes are minor. So I was able to, in my own intuitive way, know how to play guitar across the neck to whatever knowledge I had. Excuse me. So when it comes to drums, I learned um, a little bit more than basic drums in my first two years of drum lessons. And I, I didn't really pay too much attention to the notation. I know how to read and write drum notation. Um, I'm, I'm a little bit more rusty at it than I should be. But I was really focused on like, how do I actually play? And yeah, I was just an eager, young, dumb teenager. <laughs> yeah. I was excited. I, I wanted to play drums. And um, for who I am, I'm an okay drummer. I'm okay. And I don't like to be stuck in the same spot on anything in, or any instrument. You know, um, my thing is, uh, I, I've always wanted to just make as much progress as I possibly could when I was younger. But now, now that I'm older and I'm a lot, I'm a lot less hot-headed. I, I, I care about mastery. I care about specialization, giving special attention to specific things. And so, um, my band manager bought me an MP3 player as a gift. What a nice guy! And he loaded a bunch of music on it, and I heard the song "Dose" by Filter from their Short Bus album, and fell in love with that band. They're they're still my favorite band to this day. I listen to them quite often, and that was my first exposure to industrial rock. I'm the type of person where I don't really keep up with music or pop culture or TV or shows or anything. Like there's a lot of popular things I'm totally unaware of. So I, I usually just find something I like and stick within that realm, so to speak, that scope of that theme of entertainment or art or music, whatever you want to call it. And yeah, so people would be like, yo, have you heard the blah, blah, blah album or the blah, blah, blah song by blah, blah, blah. And I'll be like, no. And then they look at me in a confused way as if I have never been to earth before, <laughs> as if I've been living under a rock. And uh, when I was a teenager, I was quite sociable, but I still didn't really go out of my way to find new things. I would find things and stick with it. And so um, 
when I was really good for what I for the knowledge I had on music and singing, um, I was never taught anything about singing. Uh, I just naturally pick it up, and I've watched some YouTube videos on it years later in my late teens. But anyway, I was really focused on like forming bands and like jamming with other musicians, and that was just like the highlight of my life. I know that sounds kind of sad and pathetic. It's like, dude, you're like 30. Like, there's got to be other noteworthy things about life. Yes, that is true. There are. I'm just saying my favorite noteworthy thing about my life is that I played music with other musicians and enjoyed it. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I grew up on uh, blues, jazz, classic rock, lounge, punk, and industrial rock, grunge. And it, in my... Uh, early 20s, I got more into metal, like Tool, and also metal subgenres like Doom Metal, like the band Catatonia, or Catatonia, however you would like to pronounce it. Uh, black metal, like Mayhem. But I wasn't, like, too into it. It's just the members of my band wanted me into it, and I decided to be investigative and exploratory with it. So I started listening to that music, and there's things I love about those genres, and I like metal and subgenres and even other subgenres like uh, grindcore and such. But ultimately like I, I'm a I'm a guy who likes clean tones for the most part. If I like something dirty, it's gotta be like heavy fuzziness or heavy overdrive. But I, I don't typically dabble into heavy music outside of industrial rock or punk rock. And you could probably make a compelling case they're not that heavy of genres to begin with, but um, I do prefer, you know, listening to blues. I do prefer, uh, smooth jazz pre-1965. Um, I don't know what Miles Davis was doing after that, but, you know, he, he went heavier with jazz somehow. Like, it just sounds harder, or that's my impression of it. And, uh, yeah, I was using bands as a way, as a creative crutch to do music without mastery of it. And that's my biggest regret, if I could rewind the hands of time and do something different with my life, I would, if I could, convince younger Chad, younger CM Hostack, to not form bands, or at least not in a serious career kind of way, and it, rather have him learn music theory from the get-go. Have him learn proper song structure from the get-go truly specialize in music and only jam with other people for fun and recreation don't buy a drum set buy a really good gaming laptop and buy some sort of drum programming software and a really good music DAW, digital audio workstation for those of you who don't know what DAW stands for and uh, be a pro from there that's the number one thing I would do differently with my life. Other than that, I haven't said or done anything that was truly terrible. Not not anything that comes to my mind anyway. But if I could rewind the hands of time, that's the one thing I would do different, differently with my life. Uh, so other than that, I don't really have any moral qualms or existential burdens per se. Because I'm pretty good at living with my choices. However, if I had the opportunity to do one thing differently, that's what I would do. I would persuade or convince younger Chad to 
pursue mastery and specialization in music and be a solo artist and a studio musician and only play live when he wanted to and only jam with other people when it was appropriate, uh, but not in a serious way. And uh, the reason I prefer being a studio musician is just because, or not just studio musician, but also solo musician, is because I have complete creative control of what I'm doing. I'm satisfied more often with how things turn out. I am way more intimate with my art. I'm able to uh, do things how I think they should be done and how I want to do them. Two very important aspects of why I prefer doing music solo now. And I don't have to split money with anybody. I get to net the profit. Uh, I, I, I decide what works and I decide what doesn't. It's more affordable. And being in bands, you know, very few times we could compromise on things. And there's also a lot of gossip, which is really stupid. I'm not just referring to like when you go play shows with other bands and then like other bands are talking shit about you on their Facebook group chat or whatever. I, I'm also talking about like in infighting, like with your band. You know, drumsticks flying, cymbals flying, people hitting each other. Fuck, man. Um, yeah, just a lot of drama. Leave it to people to ruin a good thing for you. And that's where I learned the most important insight of my life. If you want to be right about people, expect the worst of them and you'll usually be right. So, yeah, a little bit of uh, black pill nihilism for you there. But nonetheless, I, I do... I, I did enjoy playing live a little bit. I did enjoy rehearsals. I did enjoy recording sessions with other artists. There was a very good... Um, bond formed between me and these other people where we cared about giving the song a part of us and that was special uh i didn't like playing live because number one it was not affordable number two we had to transport our gear and stuff to the venue on time number three uh we had to know where to be and how to do things the mic check and blah 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 we had to perform in front of people. And no one really takes local musicians seriously, I've noticed. And excuse me if I'm projecting, but I've noticed that it wasn't just like my band. It was also other bands where I'm not saying local bands don't have genuine fans. I'm not saying that. I know that they do. I've seen it myself. But I'm saying like in general, like you'll, you'll perform your part really well, if not perfectly. And sing your heart out and put on a show and entertain people and people will be like yeah it was pretty good not bad you made a lot of improvement you know i i can't believe that we wasted our time for that kind of feedback <laughs> you know and real feedback is hard to come by nowadays and i don't think it's because i'm unreasonable people don't want to give me feedback i think people are just afraid of offending other people too many people prioritize making themselves and other people feel good to the point where they don't even have the proper discipline or proper character to say something truthful and to do something truthful and authentic. That's a big problem I have with the people I come across. And thankfully, my personal network, uh, Drew included, of course, uh, but especially Drew, he 
He and the people in my life are not yes people. They're not yes men to me. They give me real feedback, and they're not afraid to challenge a thought that I have. They're not afraid to ask me questions, and they're not afraid to answer my questions. Really outstanding, excellent people. So thank you, Drew, if you're listening to this. And thank you, Tom, TJ, and the rest of my friends, too. And my parents. So, yes, um, real real feedback is hard to come across. And playing live is just expensive. It's just a hassle. The feedback isn't really that great. And at the end of the day, it's really just to be in the minds of some people that were at a bar. <laughs> so... Uh, why do I love being a studio solo musician so much? Well, like I said, I'm intimate with my art. I'm more satisfied more often. I have complete creative control, and that's affordable. And like I've said in other places on this podcast, I don't care if I make myself out to be something or not before I die. I don't expect to be remembered for a long time post-mortem. So I'm just going to do my own thing. I have one life. And I'm going to live it on my terms as much as I possibly can to what is in my faculty of control. And being a studio musician just suits me. And I'm not hating on anybody. I'm not trying to knock anybody if they like performing live better than recording. That's fine. I'm just saying for me, I don't like playing live that much. And uh, and uh, for status reasons, I will say this. Every show I've played live, teenager and older, there was at minimum... Uh, 20 people each show sometimes more so that that's a pretty cool flex that i have under my belt but i'm just saying that for my own vanity anyway well i mean at least i can admit to my arrogance right so when it comes to what i'm doing differently now no actually there's one more section the hiatus so i was i was involving myself in music from the age of like 12 and a half in 2003 all the way up to 2015 when I was like 24 or something like that. Why did I go on a hiatus from what I love so much and dedicated most of my life to? Well, honestly, I I just, I just got, I just got tired of dealing with the same thing all the time. When I was dedicated to music, I was very consistent. I knew what my rehearsals were. And I always prepared myself. I built my lifestyle around trying to be a professional musician from a very young age. So uh, Fridays at 11 a.m. was usually when rehearsals happened. My parents allowed us to use the second living room in their house to do music. But, you know, I I found myself um, in lifestyle to not be so well-rounded. I don't really know much as much as I would like to about philosophy, psychology, politics, and business, and the rest of the world. All I really knew is what I should do musically for most of my life. And I thought that I was selling myself short by pursuing mastery and specialization in music, which is true in some contexts, not true in some others. And I don't really want to get into that. I would just rather say that I don't see anything wrong if I would have chose to stick with mastery of music. And I also don't see anything wrong with me me choosing to start going to the gym, start learning about diet, start dating, start learning about business, try to be a life coach, which was probably the cringiest thing I've ever done in my life. And, uh, you know, just 
pursue building myself in other ways outside of music. And I, I met people I might not have otherwise ever met. I've learned things I might not have ever otherwise known on, uh, without getting off course and going on hiatus and learning. I try out different jobs and my favorite, my favorite corporate job or not corporate, but my favorite job I've ever had that isn't entrepreneurial was dishwashing. There was something really easy and therapeutic about it. Uh, food service jobs like that tend to pay really well too. Uh, doing it full time, it sucked the life out of me. I couldn't focus on what I wanted to do doing it full time. So that, that's why I quit. But if I were to ever get a job again, I would say dishwashing is the, my first pick. And my second pick is being a grocery store clerk and helping out a grocery store. Because that's also easy. <laughs> doesn't pay as well as dishwashing, but uh, it's a manageable job to do part-time for long for a prolonged period of time in in my life, in my mind, in my perspective. And so I, I, I came back to music in late 2018. I started slowly exploring it. And I posted like uh, little video clips from my iPhone. I would re I would video record some cool drum pattern with guitar I put together. And a, a lot of rappers liked what I was doing and wanted to collab. And uh, it was it was really fun to get back into music. Uh, but then I tabled it because I wanted to learn more things and reach more completion points in my non-music journey. It was more so a business thing. And then in 2020, I got the job as an executive assistant to a, to a successful real estate broker. And uh, I loved that job. It was great. I would do it again, 10 out of 10. And... Uh, so as far as like entrepreneurial-esque jobs, that's my first pick. Um, if not pursuing music and a newsletter and all that, yada, 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 all the things I'm doing. And so the hiatus benefited me. And I also would have benefited just sticking with music anyway. And it's not like I couldn't have done both at the same time. I'm just saying I got more of a thrill by alienating myself and getting out of my comfort zone, getting out of order into chaos challenging myself with uncertainty and you know uh learning new things it, it was worthwhile and i would recommend anyone if you want to specialize and master something do it if you also want to be well-rounded then do that too or if you would rather just only know one thing by all means i'm not judging you do your thing and so now we're in 2022 i in in 2021, when I started to go full freelance anyway with my newsletter and all that, I started taking music a lot more seriously and bought a course on music theory. And I'm learning music theory, so I'm actually in the process of mastering music. And I'm taking very serious attention to it. So every Thursday in the morning, I go through the course and I start back from where I originally began and make progress from there and I take copious notes. And I don't have an over-engineered note-taking system by any means. I just write down things I think are important to remember. And um, I think it's important to understand a subject because that's how you're going to memorize it is if you understand it. And practicing explaining it in the most simplistic way you can and the most complicated way you can will also help you reinforce important knowledge as well as also challenge you to be aware of your own ignorance on the subject. 
So uh, be humble when you're mastering something and be humble when you're successful. Actually, just be humble no matter what. Anyway, uh, so I'm, 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 I also bought a course on guitar. Actually, I bought two guitar courses. One beginner to advanced guitar course and then one beginner uh, to advanced blues guitar course. And I'm not, I'm not there yet, but I did take a few peeks in the courses just to see what they're about. But learning music theory has changed um, the way I do music in both remarkable and unanticipated ways. Where I, I actually could um, get behind an instrument like a piano or a guitar and with my knowledge of like major and minor and how some notation works, I could figure out how to play something I've never played before on either instrument. And it's really fun to have this phenomenon happen. And so I'm taking music seriously to the point where in my personal solo project as Sam Hosack as a musician, I'm using music as a way to communicate things that are worthwhile to me, things that are meaningful to me. I use music as a way to artistically communicate the importance of uh, virtue, pragmatism, and what it means uh, to live. What is the plight of being man? And that's just like the start of like what I'm doing musically. Um, and it, it's all about making sure I properly understand how music works. It's about making sure I properly understand how these instruments work. And for now, I'm just programming drums, but when I get my own place, I would like to have an electric drum set. That'd be really cool. And so, yes, uh, where I'm at in my music journey from where I was, so where I was was a young impressionable, impressionable teenager with a passion for music who specialized in it and was somewhat lazy with it took a hiatus in his early adult life, in his early 20s, um, expanded his worldview and horizons, got, got better at business and other things and lived his life well, advanced himself, built himself, found himself, came back to music, and is taking a very serious, methodical, um, scholarly-esque approach to it. Because it's my life and that's how I want to live it. That's why I have very few regrets, to tell you the truth. I don't even think about regret. There's no value to me in having regrets. I know that we all do in some sense, in some capacity of reality. But I'm just saying that my regrets and moral qualms are not big enough for me to be overwhelmed to the point I can't make proper decisions. So thankfully, I have lived a life well spent according to me and my opinion of my life. And there are people who think I'm a total loser. There are, there are people who think very little of me and you know that that's just life man as the french say c la vie yeah it's just life whatever you know i, I don't need to be liked or loved by everybody you know I, I i can take a loss or two you know i i i can take criticism i can take hate i don't care <laughs> you know because at the end of the day i'm living my life in a meaningful way and if somebody's got an issue with it, it just validates my ego. It shows me that I'm actually important enough to be complained about. You know, we live in an attention-driven economy, so whether you're getting canceled or you're being praised, you know, 
you got money making opportunities ahead of you. So yeah, if people want to hate me, they can hate me. If people want to love me, they can love me. Like Gary Vaynerchuk says in his content, it, it's it's important to not let positive or negative feedback get to your head. I'm not quoting a verbatim. I'm just saying that's something I've understood from content he has created. But I'm sure he put it in, in a much better way than I did. But nonetheless, um, yeah, um, this uh, studio journal entry uh, on my podcast is all about understanding where I started with music, what my life is with and without music, and how I'm reapproaching music as a musician and an artist or whatever we want to call me. And yes, uh, when, it, when it comes to um, this, this studio journal entry, I would say the most important takeaway is that If you're if you're going to do something, you might as well do it right. Hunter S. Thompson is quoted to have said, "If anything is worth doing, it's worth doing right." So therefore, don't make the same mistake that I did, where you let your ambitions drive you towards laziness, where you're so excited to be good at something that you start cutting corners and you don't learn the basic principles of what you're supposed to be doing and how you should do it. So no matter what you're pursuing, whether it's music or some other endeavor or some venture of yours, don't allow your passion and your ambition drive you to do things incorrectly. Learn the basics. Have a, have a methodical approach towards mastery. Be a good student of life. Because if we don't tame our emotions and our ambitions, then we can squander our potential and that is the worst thing you could probably do besides betray yourself for nothing in the words of Fyodor Dostoevsky or however you say his name that's the ultimate lesson from this uh studio journal entry so i hope you enjoyed and to end this podcast with my favorite quote from my former band manager and catholic mentor matt moeller my favorite quote from him is to thy own self be true and fuck the rest